So when we look at John chapter 3, if we could, we, if we could summarize it in just uh, maybe uh, four or five different words, at least the first half, we would say, you must be, you must be born again. And it's certainly a message that we've heard, uh, if, if we've been in the faith for a little bit, we've heard this message over and over again. And when we hear uh, the same message over and over again, we tend to get dull of hearing. We forget uh, just how impactful this was to Nicodemus, how it shook Nicodemus to the core. And so I'd like to point out one verse that operates as a hermeneutical key to, to the verses. And then we're going to travel a little bit. If you're taking notes, let me give you some verses. Leviticus 18.5 and Psalm 119.11. You might know Psalm 119.11 by heart. I have hid his word in my heart that I may not. So Leviticus 18.5, we're going to go there. And Psalm 119.11, uh, you already know. And then uh, 2 Kings 5. And then Ezekiel chapter 36 and 37. And you're, right now you're asking yourself, I thought this was a one-hour service. <laughs> well, it is. It's probably 55 minutes long. But... But look at John chapter 3 with me and look at one verse uh, as we begin in verse 10. Jesus answered Nicodemus. Jesus answered Nicodemus, and, he, and Jesus said this to him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you don't, under, you don't understand a thing I'm saying? And so the, the key, the, the interpretive key, the hermeneutic key that helps us to unlock these verses is found in the Old Testament because we have to ask ourselves the question, what should Nicodemus have known? What should he have known? And how does that inform us when we come to a text like this? Well, we have to go all the way back to the Old Testament. Come there with me. And if you're unfamiliar with the books and, and how to find there, in your Bible, there's a, there's, a, there's a table of contents. And so come with me to Leviticus, if you would. Leviticus chapter 18 for a minute. And we're going to answer this question. What should, what should have Nicodemus known? And how, how does that impact our understanding of the text? And so we come to Leviticus chapter 18, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying... Speak to the, to the people of Israel and say to them this, I am the Lord your God. You shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt where you, where you lived, and you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan to which I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. You shall follow my rules and keep my statutes and walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules. If a, person does, if a person does them, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. And so what does Psalm 119.11 say? I have hid thy word in my, that I may not sin against you. And so Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And a Pharisee was a, a, a righteous minority of people in the Sanhedrin in Israel. And they were absolutely committed to obeying God. Their heart was 
was to go through the law of the Lord, to go through the Old Testament and find each and every place where there was a commandment and to give their whole heart and their whole life to following after those commandments. Matter of fact, they wrote a book, kind of like a rule book, called the Mishnah. And in the Mishnah, there's 24 chapters about how to do the Sabbath. In other words, how to eat on the Sabbath, how to, there's one about how to tie a knot. You can't use both hands to tie a knot because that would be what? That would be working on the Sabbath. So you can only use one hand to tie a knot. Now, if you've ever tried to tie your shoelaces with, with one hand, you know that's going to be a pretty difficult feat. They had rules as far as preparing food and lighting the oven, and uh, a tailor could not go out with a needle at sunset, lest he be tempted to do what? Work on the Sabbath. And an amazing set in the Mishnah. And in your notes, uh, I've given you a, a link to an English translation of the Mishnah. So if you're, if you're uh, up to it, you should really take a look at it because uh, when you read it, it gives you a greater appreciation for Nicodemus. It shows you that, that this was not a normal, say, everyday Jew, but he was a Jew that was all in to pleasing God. The problem with that is that God didn't want the law to be just on the outside. He wanted to write it where? On the tablets of our heart. And when we come to John chapter 3, this is one of the great paradoxes that Nicodemus is dealing with. He's coming saying, look, I've done it all. I've done the law. I've been righteous. I've done everything. And he comes to Jesus, and Jesus is going to say, well, you're a teacher of Israel, and yet you don't know these things? Come with me to 2 Kings uh, for a minute. And, and especially as we get to go back to John chapter 3 and look at the issue of baptism, come with me to 2 Kings chapter 5. And 2 Kings chapter 5 is a story about Naaman. And Naaman, when we look at 2 Kings uh, 5.1, Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor. He was the number two man in Syria. And he was a ruthless soldier. Matter of fact, when he was one, on one of his exploits, he captured and brought into slavery a young Jewish girl. Except that Naaman had a problem. Can anybody tell me what his problem was? That he had leprosy. And he was suffering from leprosy, and leprosy was like kiss the death. It's like cancer. And this young Jewish captive girl says to her mistress, Naaman's wife, she says, oh, but in Israel, there's a prophet his name is Elisha. And Elijah, oh man, can he heal people? And he heals leprosy. And so Naaman, because he operated in protocol, wrote to his, his boss, the king, and says, hey, can you get me an audience with the boss of, of Israel, the king of Israel? And king of Syria says, sure will. Writes him a letter, and the king of Israel tears his robes and says, how can I heal anybody? 
except Elisha hears about it and says, oh, you can't do it, but the God of Israel can. To make a long story short, come with me to first, uh, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 14. So Naaman went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored, and note this, like the flesh of a little child, and he was what? And he was clean. See, Naaman was the model for all that was to come. For the proselytes that were pagans, that were Gentiles, that wanted to worship the God of Israel, the true God, the one and only God, the almighty God, Yahweh. This is the ritual that they went through, a ritual of purification, this water baptism that we see. And when we look at John 3, 3, take note of this, the flesh of a little child. John 3, 3 says this, except you be what? Born again, you're not going to get into the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And then Mark 10, 15 says, that except you become like a child, you won't enter the kingdom of God. Now keep all these things in mind because when we get to John chapter 3, it's all going to come to light. It's all going to shine a light on uh, Nicodemus's heart and all that Jesus was challenging him for. Now there's a last little section that we want to cover. Come with me to Ezekiel. And take a look with me real briefly of uh, chapter 36 and chapter 37. So Ezekiel chapter 36 and 37. And keep in mind what we're going to hear in John chapter 3. We're going to hear, except you be born again, except you, except you be uh, washed by water, except the Spirit of God comes into your life. Take a look at Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 20, uh, 24. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. Verse 25. I will sprinkle you with what? I will sprinkle you with clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And look at verse 26. I will give you what? I will give you a new heart. Jeremiah says the same thing in Jeremiah 24, 7. I'll give you what? I'll give you a new heart. I'll take the law and write it on the tablets of where? Your heart. And so when Jesus says to Nicodemus, you're the teacher of Israel, yet you don't know these things. You're part of the most powerful group of men in Israel, the Sanhedrin. What you say carries law or weight over any Jewish person's life, no matter where they live, and yet you don't get that, you don't get the deeper meaning that God is just not going to change externals, but God's going to change your heart. And you know, we can miss that message today too. We can look at our Christian faith and think, well, if, we, if we're just good enough, you know, if we, if we just say the right prayers, if we throw a, a, a few bucks in the, in the basket that goes around, those days are long gone, aren't they? If, we, if we're just good enough and holy enough, 
then we're going to make it into the kingdom. And, and Jesus doesn't teach that at all. He says, except that you've been drawn by the Spirit, except that you've demonstrated that drawing of the Spirit by that external work of baptism, except that you've been begotten, to use King James language, except that you've been begotten by God, except you've been born from above, except you become like a child, to use the synoptic gospels, then you can't enter the kingdom of heaven, uh, the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is like blown away. One last thing from Ezekiel, Ezekiel 37, when Jesus talks about the wind and the breath, look at, look at uh, chapter 37, verse 9. He says, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Now try to keep all of that, if we can, try to keep all of that in our hearts and in our minds, and come to John chapter 3, and see this righteous man, See this man of standing, a Pharisee. See this man who loved God with all his heart. See this man that lived for the externals. And Jesus puts his finger on his heart and says, it's not the external that I want. It's not the external that I'm going to transform. It's not the external that's going to bring new life to you, but it's going to be my spirit coming into your heart that brings forth the transformation so that you live not from a place of trying to gain the acceptance from God, but that you live from a place of, of being accepted and cleansed and the righteousness that you have will not be your righteousness. It'll be a gift that God will give to you because you have faith in Christ who died on the cross for your sins. And he's going to give you an imputed righteousness, the righteousness that, that is not by works, but it's by grace. And so the application for us today is the same as Nicodemus, is that we must be born from above, begotten by God, which comes through faith in Jesus Christ not works, least any man should boast. And when we, when we come to a place like that, our hearts are free to pursue God, to love God. See, I grew up in a family that went to church every Sunday. Matter of fact, I think our whole neighborhood went to church every Sunday. And we were steeped in the rules, what's venial and what's major sins. I went to parochial school. And we knew the law. And, and many of us, myself included, loved Jesus, all my heart, loved Jesus. But we worked, we, we, we worked to get his acceptance, worked to get his approval. And what Nicodemus had to learn is that you can't work to get it because it's a gift. And it's a gift because the Lord loves you and he gave his life so that you wouldn't have to work, so that you wouldn't have to be righteous because there's no person that can get to the righteous level that God requires because we are all sinners, right? And Jesus came to give us his righteousness. Come to John chapter 3 with me and take a look at Nicodemus through those eyes. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So he was 
in a place of uh, power. He was in a place of authority. And yet, something's going on in his heart. He knows that there's something more to be had than just keeping the law. Look at verse 2. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, now, a lot of commentators like to make hay out of he came at night. They allegorize the Bible and say, oh, you know, he's, he's, he's in darkness and he's stepping into the light. But I don't get that. I get this, that Nicodemus was a wise man and he loved the Lord. And so if you really want to spend time with someone, do you spend it in the middle of the day with someone? I mean, if you really want to sit down and have a conversation, at least in my world, I like sitting down over a dinner I like sitting around a fire. I like hanging out and having a conversation. I believe Nicodemus was like that. Is that he wanted time with Jesus, undistracted time, and the best time to do that is at the end of the day. And we begin getting a glimpse of his heart and his passion for God. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, now, Coming from Jesus, as in contrast to chapter 1, verse 38, this was quite an affectionate endorsement of Jesus because Nicodemus was the man. He was the religious man. He was the expert. He was the one that everybody looked to for guidance. You know, you might know someone like that in your life. That they, you know, you just look at their life and go, man, they're just so, they're just so stinking holy. You know, I think I'll go ask them how to work this out. That was really Nicodemus. But within Nicodemus's heart, there was something that was missing. And so he comes to Jesus by night and he says, Rabbi, we know, not I know. Did you notice that? The scriptures say, we know. Because there was a group of Pharisees that had been watching Jesus. And they knew something about Jesus because they were paying attention. They knew that Jesus and his miracles and his working fulfilled the promises of the Old Testament and the coming of the Messiah, someone that would heal the brokenhearted, someone that would give sight to the blind, someone that would raise the dead. And so the, Nicodemus comes not just with his own weight of testimony, he comes that we know we know, and then he tells Jesus, you are a teacher come from God, and no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him. And when Jesus answers, Jesus answers this godly man in a way that's going to rock his world. Look at the text with me. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you, unless one is born again, Greek word here is anothen. And it means not just being having a rebirth, but it means this, to be born from above. To use King James' language, it means to be, to be begotten by God, that God draws you to a place. And when you sense the drawing of his Holy Spirit, the heart of, the heart of a believer turns in repentance and says, you, Lord, are the only one that can satisfy the longing of my heart. And at that moment, there's regeneration, there's a tr transaction that happens where we exchange our life. We give our life, our broken, sinful life. We give it to Jesus, and what Jesus gives to us is his 
righteousness, his forgiveness, his acceptance. He cleanses our heart from where? From the inside out. And this, when you think in Nicodemus, all that we've read about his heart, his, his desire for God, he's confronted with this truth that all that he's done on the outside hasn't satisfied his heart. Remember Ezekiel chapter 36? I'm going to sprinkle you with water and I'm going to give you what? A new what? I'm going to give you a new heart. Come back to the text with me. How, and Nicodemus is flustered. He says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered another one, emphatic statement of truth. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And here's the great truth, is the internal produces the external. It's exactly the opposite of what Nicodemus expected, is that the spirit of God produces the desire for the external, which is water baptism in this case. And when you put it in its context, it's about Ezekiel 36. It's about the ministry of John the Baptist in John chapter 1. It's that the Spirit of God changes the heart and the external, that turning and that wanting to identify, Romans chapter 6, wanting to identify with the Lord comes out of a new birth and a new heart rather than a desire for external righteousness. It is the new birth that produces the desire for holiness. And Nicodemus said, oh, if I'm only holy, if I'm only righteous, God will accept me. Have you ever been in that place? I've been in that place. Oh, if I, if I can only not sin. I remember my, my days before I came to Christ. Remember those New Year's resolutions? If I could only stop doing this, and I'm not going to do this. And then two days goes by, and bam, there it is. But you know, when Christ comes into our heart, he empowers us, he changes us from the inside out. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, he makes us a new what? A new creation. And this was the message that Jesus was giving to Nicodemus. Let's continue with our text. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. Remember Ezekiel 37? Jesus is, is speaking to Nicodemus at a deep level. And I would dare say a level that most of us as Christians have never explored. I would say that probably most of us and myself at one point didn't even ask the question, what should, what should Nicodemus have known? And Jesus, like, a, like peeling off the layers of onion, he begins to tell Nicodemus, Nicodemus, don't you remember Leviticus? Nicodemus, don't you remember Psalm 119? Nicodemus, don't you remember Ezekiel? Don't you remember Jeremiah? That I want to give you a new heart and put my spirit in you. The wind blows where it wishes and your, and your heart and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from and where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Love, you just got to love it. 
Because many times that's where I'm at. Lord, how can these things be? And Jesus says to Nicodemus, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. And if I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And then, he, then Nicodemus is confronted with something out of Numbers chapter 21 that is such a revelation that even the disciples don't get it until it happens. Here it is. No one who has ascended into heaven except who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the servant, speaking of Numbers 21 in the wilderness, so much the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have what? Eternal life. See, what he says to Nicodemus is that there's one coming, the Son of Man. And that he's going to be lifted up as Moses lifted up the servant. That as they put their gaze upon the serpent, they'd be healed. And Jesus is going to be lifted up on the cross. That all those that trust in him, believe in him, have faith in him, will have what? Will have eternal life. And Nicodemus' world and his religious world is just rocked. Because he's trusting in the externals. And what God wants to do is a work in the heart that you must be born again and Jesus must be lifted up. For it's in the propitiation, it's in the atonement, it's in the sacrifice, it's in the exchange of one life for another life that we have eternal life. It's exchanging our sinful life for the life of Christ that as we, as we believe and trust in him, he forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness so that we stand before God cleansed accepted and loved, not based on works, but based on grace. Remember 2 Kings chapter 5? Was Naaman cleansed and clean? Made his skin made like a baby's. Was that by his works? When he came to Elijah and he offered to pay for it, the prophet said, what? No. And Naaman got what? He got upset until his servant says, hey, this great prophet, if you humble yourself, if you just accept by faith what he's saying, and you go to the Jordan, dip yourself seven times, why don't you do that? Why don't you trust in him? Why don't you give up trying to be righteous? Why don't you give up your pride and simply accept the gift that the prophet wants to give you. It's the same message to us today as Christians, is that if we'll humble ourselves and accept what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, then all our works stop and we begin a life of grace. All our desires, God, would you accept me? Would you love me? That when we come to him, we repent of our sins and we turn to him, that he sent his spirit into our heart. And so we no longer relate to God based upon what we've done. We relate to God based what he has done for us in Christ. And our heart cries out this, Abba, Father, our Heavenly Father. 
our daddy in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come because we're changed from the inside out. Nicodemus is a lot like you and I. We want to try to make it on our own. We want to be that self-made person. But there's no self-made people that get into heaven. Only people that have been forgiven by Christ, have accepted Christ, have received the gift of eternal life. Those children of God find a loving Father who loves them, accepts them, forgives them, and as John 10, 10, 10 tells us, gives us an abundant life. Nicodemus had a ways to go. He didn't understand it at this point, but he's going to get there. We're going to meet him two other times in the Gospel of John, and we're going to say, at least I'm going to say, what a man. What a godly man who didn't trust in his own righteousness, but trusted in Christ and his work on the cross. Can you say amen? It's so appropriate we get to close with the Lord's table this morning. And as Paul tells us, he gives us a moment. He says, come and examine your heart. And that's the invitation today. Just examine your heart. And if you've been in that place, oh, I want to work and try to get to God, know this, God has already come and tapped on the door of your heart. He's not asking you to do any special work. He's not asking you to do any heroic feat. All he's asking you to do is, would you open your heart to a God who loves you and sent his son? If that you'll accept him into your life, he'll forgive you of your sins. He'll cleanse you. He'll, he'll make you a new creation, just like he did for Naaman, just like he's going to do for Nicodemus. Because that's our God. Our God is not try to get to me. Our God is this. He's come to us. That's why we call him at Christmas time. We call him what? Emmanuel. God with us. So take a moment and prepare your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, do that this morning. Say, Lord Jesus, I... And if you're at home right now, you're worshiping around that, that coffee table, you gather together at home, and if there's a, there's a young person there and, and you've, never, you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never been born again, never been born from above, I'd invite you right now as you're sitting at home, worshiping at home, to pray a simple prayer like this. Lord Jesus, I've been trying to get to you and all along you've, you've come for me. And so I've, I open my heart to you I repent of my sins and I turn to you. And Jesus, I pray that you would come in, forgive me my sins. Let me know in my heart of hearts my sins are forgiven because I believed in Jesus Christ. And if you pray a prayer like that, you're born from above because that's the promise. All those that call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so if you're at home and you prayed a prayer like that, you tell mom or dad, or if you're mom and dad, you better tell your kids that you've invited Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, your Savior, not based upon works, but based upon God loves you and has a plan for your life. Let's participate in the Lord's table. Lord, we thank you for this bread. We remember your incarnation, that you came 
laid aside heaven, born of a virgin, sinless life, Lamb of God. You did that for us. And so we remember that and we break this bread. Let's eat together.